everyone and welcome back to another episode of Fika with Funny. This is episode number six and it is Wednesday the 13th of August 2020 today. So you might have noticed that I have not put up too many podcasts the last couple of months and the reason for that is that my husband Luke and I have recently moved to the Netherlands and so we have obviously spent our time and effort into moving, uh, first of all, getting here, all the travel and that sort of thing, but also setting up our life here, getting to know the area. We are currently in The Hague, which is about a 35-minute train ride south of Amsterdam. And so with all of that happening, I haven't sat down to do too many podcasts. But a little while ago, I asked my the people on my newsletter to give me some topics to talk about in the podcast, and it's going to be a bit of a Q&A today where I go a little bit deeper into two different topics. So the first one is going to be about food and sugar, and the next sort of topic or question is about the female body in training. So let's start with the first one, which is food and sugar. What are your thoughts? Well, uh, this is quite a broad topic, so I will focus my uh, information in this podcast on things that I think are most important to think about when it comes to food and sugar. Without diving too deep into things like how it affects us on a physiological level and that sort of thing. If you are interested in that and you want to look into the science and research in regards to this a bit more, I do recommend having a look at my husband, Luke's podcast. It's simply called Luke Talik Podcast, and um, I will put a link in the show notes here below as well so you can find that because he dives a bit deeper into uh, insulin resistance and stuff like that around food and sugar. So the main things I want to mention in relation to food and sugar sugar in this podcast is um, firstly to create good habits around food. I think that is the most important thing. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard of someone who is happy with their food choices that do not have some kind of plan or structure around their food and eating. So I think that if we can learn a few main principles that we can follow and uphold, our good habits are going to become a bit easier for us. So if I'm going to take an example, if one of the principles is that we adopt the 80-20 rule, that we aim to eat what we consider is healthy for 80% of the time and we allow ourselves to eat whatever we feel like uh, for the remaining 20% of the times, then if we follow this rule, then when things happen like we are invited to a business lunch last minute, for example, then we can allow ourselves to be flexible in our approach by attending and eating what we want that meal and not feel guilty or feel like we've failed, um, plus that we get to enjoy making the connections with the people that we are seeing for the lunch and be social, which obviously are super important for health as well. Um, writing these principles down could be very useful in the beginning so that you are reminding yourself of what to think about and uh, what to focus on. So um, following principles for creating good habits is a good thing, but I think the glue that will make this so is that we have some kind of plan and that we are actually being structured. So planning what you're going to eat 
uh, next week or even food prepping on the weekend. Uh, those things are valid things to do. So if you got time during the week and you like to eat things like that you feel like on the day you could even uh, make your dinner and then have leftovers for the sort of lunch box the day after. That's another way of uh, planning how you are going to eat and be structured with it during the week so that you can keep those habits and follow those principles of, for example, the 80-20 rule. Now, people's nutrition are going to look very different from one another for reasons like they come from different countries and cultures, intolerances and allergies, ethical considerations, and much more. But I think that no matter what type of food is healthy for you, the above sort of habit formation principles are going to be important. So I would recommend spending some time just setting yourself up with those guidelines to follow. Now, the sugar thing, so if I'm going to move into talking more about the sugar stuff, um, that's an interesting one because in my experience, eating sugar a few times a week will not really be harmful for your health. However, only having sugar sometimes um, is not the easiest thing in the world. So I think this is very person-dependent and something you'll need to be experimenting with uh, yourself to see how you respond to it and um, basically what works for you. Ultimately, we would like to be in such control of our behaviors that we do not act on the sugar cravings. And this goes for anything, to be perfectly honest, not just sugar. So some people would prefer to just stay away from it altogether to not risk falling in for the or falling for the cravings. My personal preferred way to uh, combat this or the way that I would prefer to eat would be to um, include not eating heavily sugar, sugary foods more than maybe one or two times per week. I think that is a, I consider that being a healthy way for me. Uh, another few things that I do to keep my food um, consistent and healthy for me is I make sure I have enough protein in my diet. I prefer eating leaner protein sources and favor unsaturated fats such as avocado and oils in my meals. I eat plenty of vegetables. I try to keep a high or higher intake of carbohydrates and lower fat because I find that my energy and my training is benefiting greatly from that type of setup. I treat myself to about two squares of dark chocolate each night with my tea because I really find that sort of enjoyable uh, and I think that that is not really going to do too much harm to my overall sugar consumption. Um, and I also allow myself to eat something nice on Saturdays. And I really like baked goods. Think like Budapest pastry. Um, that is like my ultimate yummy food. So I do do that on Saturday. So I get to experience some of that food as well. And if I do have some social gatherings or parties, weddings and that sort of thing coming up, I might try, try to put my, my yummy foods on, uh, on that day. So I don't double up too much during the week. So to summarize the sort of food and sugar topic, which is obviously a massive topic to go through, I would recommend putting a plan into place where you follow principles. Consider that sugar may not be good nor bad, but it is our behavior in engaging with it that is worth observing and action on. 
finding a way of eating that is healthy for you is super important. And that is going to look different to other people's way of eating and other people's nutrition. So on to the second very massive topic of this podcast, which is the female body and training. I'm going to touch on a couple of aspects of this and just know that there is heaps of different things that we could talk about. But uh, I hope that you find uh, some of the information I'm going to talk about useful. So, of course, one big thing that differentiates women from men is that we have the menstrual cycle. And I do want to credit my husband, Luke, again, for making difficult topics such as the menstrual menstrual cycle a lot easier to understand for people. And he did do that in a recent Instagram post. So I'm going to link to that one below as well. Uh, first off, I want to say that I tend to approach training from an individual standpoint rather than having hard rules for how I train a woman versus a man. And um, I like doing this when people come to me with like different injuries and conditions and diseases as well. The reason for this is that I uh, find that I can keep a lot more open uh, for the person's individual needs compared to moving from a standpoint of this person is a woman or a man or has PCOS or diabetes, for example. I allow myself to observe this person as a blank canvas and I can paint what I observe to be true for this person and then based on that I can give them individualized guidance and I really think that this is an important thing. So if we're going to talk about women and training specifically, uh, inevitably we need to touch on how to be flexible with the menstrual cycle uh, whenever that calls for it. So the best way I can discuss this is probably from my own experience. So I'm going to tell you some of my own training journey because I think it's probably quite a typical one that um, you would hear from uh, a lot of different types of women. There were quite a few years where I didn't honor my cycle and I struggled against it hard time. And in 2015, I started having absolutely horrendous ovary pains at night for a few days a month and that ex escalated to being basically every single night several times a night and even during the day at the end of about 2016 beginning of 2017 before I finally gave in and I had a Mirena ID put in when I did that, I reckon my symptoms probably reduced about 80% uh, in the first sort of six weeks after putting it in. And after that, it's been a little bit up and down depending on food intake, stress, how much sleep I've gotten and, you know, all of those sort of things. But now about three years in, uh, I'm probably not having pains more than maybe two, three days per month again, which is phenomenal. Uh, in comparison where I was in 2016. And so the symptoms and small tissue lesions that were found during a surgery I had in 2016 indicated that it may be endometriosis, but still the lesions they found were so small that they didn't really think the pain, like because I had severe pain, um, and they didn't think that that was caused by that. So this leads me into the situation I found myself in early 2016. I was working a lot. Four to five days, I worked about 
you know, a few hours in the morning and in the evening in the gym. And the time in between, I trained myself and then I went straight to bed to sleep because I had massively disrupted sleep uh, due to waking up with pain every night. And it made me fucking tired, to be perfectly honest. So the issues that comes with gradually breaking down your body, aka not being kind to yourself and listen to your body, are many. And the menstrual cycle is certainly a big area that gets affected by you not considering enough recovery. If you're a woman or a man close to a woman, you might know that the symptoms of a menstrual cycle that is out of whack can be many and rather uncomfortable or outright terrible. As you might see, I think a big reason why I ended up with such bad pains was that I just kept pushing it to the point where my body was experiencing a massive input overload and it was simply trying to give me all these loud and clear signs to slow down, recover, calm down, you know, take some time off, all of those sort of things. But in reality, it took me a long time to figure that out. And since I realized, it probably took me a good two, two and a half years to recover. Obviously, physical activity is greatly important for health. But if we do keep push ourselves uh, beyond what we can recover from, we are not going to do ourselves any favors. And this is what I want to get at. We need to find a type of physical training with frequency, volume and intensity that works for us individually so that our body gets the chance to change, but is not getting run down because that is when we get into trouble. So as a woman, you might experience that things like power, strength, flexibility, recovery, and you know other parameters change to some degree during your cycle. If that is you, I think it's important to have a plan for making suitable adjustments to the training program so that you can still be physically active during those times uh, to gain, obviously, the many health benefits that comes with exercising. So yeah, I think basically all in all, if I look back at my ignorance and neglecting all these loud and clear signs that the body was giving me, um, I think I could have done a whole lot better with actually just tuning into my body and taking time off when I needed to and things like that. I think to start with, you might not realize how much your training can affect your menstrual cycle, basically. And the other side of the spectrum is to not use the menstrual cycle as an excuse to not be active. Uh, this might be a given, but it may also feel tempting at different times. Ultimately, you will be the only one to truly know if it is better for you to take a rest day, go for a walk, or changing your leg day to working on your single leg balance, for example. And I think that this knowing comes with time observing your mental activity in response to how your menstrual cycle affects you. Do you tend to crawl underneath the blanket on the couch or do you do breathing exercises and take action somehow? I mean, none of these things are easy. Um, simple on paper, maybe, but bloody hard. Yes, pun intended. I think I'll cut this off here. I've covered quite a few things uh, on these two topics today. 
And if there is something that you would like to dive deeper into, talking personally with me, obviously feel free to send me an email if there is any topic or any of these two topics that you would like me to dive deeper into in a podcast, do let me know as well. And like I said, I will uh, link to the resources that Luke's made down below as well. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked the episode, please send it to a couple of friends that you think would enjoy it as well. Have a good one. I will catch you next time.